The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should consider obtaining independent advice before making any financial decisions. I'm biotech columnist Tim Borum, and welcome to another edition of Health Kick, the podcast series that unlocks the mysteries of the biotech and health sectors. Today, we're looking at the burgeoning field of health informatics, which in effect is the slicing and dicing of patient data to uh, improve health outcomes. In other words, make them better more quickly. Uh, the uh, ASX-listed Alcidian Group is active in the field, and I've got the company's CEO, Kate Quirk, with me to uh, tell us more. So welcome, Kate. Thanks, Tim. Lovely to be here. Uh, yeah, just to start, Kate, I believe that uh, about one in nine patients will have an adverse event in hospital as a result of uh, poor information flies. Yeah, yeah, Tim, thanks. And it, is, it really is a, a, an unassailable fact that, um, you know, injuries and adverse events in healthcare are quite prevalent. Um, that, that statistic is related uh, to information from the Grattan Institute. And in fact, it's one in nine patients, but it's one in four Australian patients that has an overnight stay. Um, and the third biggest uh, killer of a US citizens after cancer and cardiovascular events or heart attacks is in fact adverse events that happen in the delivery of healthcare. Um, and the reasons for that are multifactorial. Uh, but one of the reasons is around um, the, the uh, enormous amount of information and data uh, that flows through the healthcare system now and also the increasing complexity of patients. Uh, we've got an ageing population and a demographic that has more uh, you know, uh, chronic risk factors like diabetes and so forth. So if you put all of that together into a very busy environment, it is... Um, very challenging to our doctors and nurses to be able to be aware of all of the factors that um, can go towards leading towards a patient having a better outcome than others. So, you know, we're really focused on how do we actually tailor uh, information, bring data and add clinical insights and decision-making capability to that data so that we can assist the doctors and nurses in their decision-making process. So it sounds like uh, if the information's there, it's uh, kind of all over the place. The uh, specialists have it in, in different places and it, it doesn't sort of gel. Yes, and, and the thing is that, um, and the good, the good thing is that in the last five to ten years, we've seen a significant investment in the digitalisation of medical data. So at least we've moved it out of paper that was in some in some places unreadable or in other cases just, you know, you can't access it. So we've moved it into a digital format, but we still, that digital data is still um, housed in silos. Um, and so it's very difficult and a doctor may have to go to multiple different sources or multiple different screens to access different information about a single patient. So we're really focused on drawing all of that data up into the Maya Precision platform, bringing it all into one central area for a patient uh, for a patient that a doctor can access via their mobile phone. And we also apply algorithms to that data and predictive algorithms and risk detection so that 
we identify or alert the doctor to certain um, factors that might be a problem. And a good example of that is, you know, a patient is planned for surgery today and, you know, we, we know that from our system, um, but they're on warfarin, which is a blood thinning drug, and so, someone has failed to take them off that warfarin. Now, we don't want to operate on a patient who's been taking warfarin up to the point of, um, of, of surgery. So we alert those sorts of potential mistakes uh, to the doctor and prevent them from happening. Yeah, okay. And uh, so, so far as a, as a company, uh, can you sort of uh, uh, prove that you've re- re- reduced the levels of these uh, complications? Yeah, so we're at the, you know, we're obviously, um, Maya Precision is a relatively new product and it's just now being deployed in the first of our sites across our three territories we work in, which is Australia, New Zealand and the UK. Um, but our underlying um, our product patient track that we recently acquired that you uh, alluded to is a, is a patient safety uh, tool for nurses and doctors that um, has been deployed now for some eight or nine years. Uh, and, in, and in the UK, we've done a number of clinical trials around that. And um, if you can predict or early identify patients that are deteriorating in a ward setting, we have clinical trials that have pr- pr- a proven uh, reduction in cardiac arrest reduction in length of stay, so we get the patient out of hospital more quickly, reduction in patients admitted to ICU, and a day in ICU is very, very expensive, so we want to do that. And most importantly, um, we get the patients through the system more quickly so they're at home and away from the hospital environment. Yeah, okay. And and, and Kate, how how does uh, the Maya side and and the MKM side uh, gel together? I mean, it sounds like one's sort of more for the, the doctors and one's more for the nurses. Yeah, well, MKM Health, in fact, um, was a one of the leading healthcare integration services companies in Australia, and we owned um, and, and developed this product, Patient Track. So, Patient Track is a potential feed to Maya. So, Maya Precision is driven from data, and the data that comes from Patient Track, uh, which captures every blood pressure, every temperature recording. Um, of every patient during their stay, that feeds the data to our platform. So it's an additional data source. But what MKM Health brought to us was actually the skills and capability to bring all that data into our Maya Precision platform in the first place. So um, in you know some of our implementations of Maya, we're taking data from 14 different systems and providing a real-time view of that data. So the skills that we acquired through MKM Health have really given us uh, an advantage in being able to build these platforms more quickly. Yeah, okay. And you came uh, into the company from the MKM side, didn't you, Kate? Yes, I was one of five um, uh, individuals that had that owned the MKM Health business, and I was the CEO of MKM at the time. And we were the, actually, when you look at the acquisition, we were the larger um, company at that point in time. And uh, I was the CEO of MKM and the board had asked me to come over as the CEO of Alcidian as part of the acquisitions. And we brought all of our management team with us. And one of the advantages we also bought was that we had a strong sales and marketing and uh, go-to-market delivery capability. And we had you know, some 150 customers that were running our, using our services or running our software. And that gave us a platform then um, to take this My Precision technology to market more effectively. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it sounds like it sounds like MKM uh, was sort of uh, the uh, slightly uh, uh, bigger business. 
Yes, and it was very much focused on the development, the research and development of the technology. Um, and M came much more uh, focused on sales, marketing and delivery. So, you know, it was a really good synergistic um, bringing together of those organisations. But we went from Elsidian as a listed company with 25 staff to being a company with 85 plus staff. Yeah, okay, okay, great. And uh, how many hospitals uh, locally in Australia are prevailing of your uh, services? So we have around um, 150 hospitals that in some way are, you know, currently either using our services or our products in Australia. We have around um, 40 to 50% of the hospitals in New Zealand using our uh, um, software in the UK around 11,000 of the 140,000 beds available to us in the UK using our software. So we we have some uh, good coverage, a very good foothold into the market and the presence, but certainly a significant opportunity ahead of us to take uh, Maya Precision to a wider audience. Mm. What's the addressable, the total addressable market here, do you think? The addressable market here is probably around two and a half million over five years. If you you look at um, how we might pick that up and add that um, over the um, the existing uh, systems that are in play, uh, but to the the UK market is probably more like a you know half a billion over five years. Oh sure, you're talking about dollars there. It's two and a half million or two and a half million bits. No um, dollar. Uh, no, there's there in terms of a dollar. So two hundred fifty million. Um, now we're not going to we're not going to you know, pick up every hospital in Australia, but that's the sort of size of, of the market. Um, every hospital in Australia won't deploy this, uh, but it will be focused. I think there's an opportunity uh, for every hospital to consider this type of technology. Sure. Okay. And who do you compete with in the main? It's a, it's a really interesting question because there's no, uh, given this, what's come to us through the acquisitions and our services capability, there's not a lot of people with it. The, a similar type of product set and services capability. But in each opportunity that we go into, there may be um, competitors that uh, focus on a particular area. So you talked about the patient flow and getting a, a patient moving through the hospital quickly. So in the Australian market, we often come up against Telstra Health in that area. Um, and some of the bigger competitors that historically might have been competitors to this uh, are some of the large integrated American firms who have big electronic medical records. Um, but the, the truth is we are seeing that we actually add value to those solutions. So uh, there's been a great investment in putting all of those systems in. And what that has done is give us access to digital data to drive our platform. So in some ways we add value uh, to, to com companies that may have been seen as traditional competitors. Yeah, okay, okay. And, and, and how do you charge for your products? Is it, is, is it up front uh, licence fee or subscription or, or, or perhaps a bit of both? It's a bit of both. Uh, predominantly um, our preference is an annualised subscription. The product is fully able to be deployed in the cloud, so uh, many of your listeners will be familiar with, you know, that type of model. Uh, however, the industry that we sell to in healthcare uh, has also um, traditionally been given sort of capital grants from the government to implement information technology, and they often need to spend that money in the year they're given it. So there is still uh, a propendency towards a upfront licence, 
with a trailing uh, 20 to 25% support and maintenance. That then That is then paid annually for as long as they continue to use the software. And the contracts on average are around five years up front to start off with, with a right to renew um, in two years, two years, two years. Yeah. It's an interesting business um, industry because it's a very, they, they're used to long-term contracts. So once you're, you are engaged in healthcare, you often have a relationship with that customer for a long time. Yeah, I, I, I presume uh, they're, they're, they're possibly a bit hard to uh, get across the line in the first place because the the, uh, the health sector is so so conservative. Uh, they tend, tend not to like to try new things in the first place. <laughs> yeah, it's a complex sale um, and, you know, so it has a longer lead time than, you know, perhaps going to, to, to sell someone your, your Windows um, software. But at the same time, you know, they have these, they're larger contracts and they have uh, much greater longevity to them and less churn. Um, but we, uh, we use our relationships and it's very much, uh, as you said, they, they like evidence-based. Um, so we tend to choose an early adopter in each of our chosen markets to prove the software, which we've done. We now have our first implementation of my precision in all of our existing markets. And then you will see the rest of the healthcare industry start to look at that as a proven uh, result. And that's the way in which we tend to approach our, our sales. Yeah, okay. And, and there's a macro driver, isn't there, with the uh, um, with electronic uh, health records becoming mandatory in uh, I think probably most Western countries now. There is um, a, a macro driver around at least getting data in a digital format. In some countries, that will be mandated that it be a big integrated electronic medical record, um, and that's pretty well what we've seen in the US um, as a result of the Affordable Care Act over the last 10 years. Here in Australia, we have a propensity to go down that path as well, and we have around 70% penetration of the market with an electronic health record. So that's great for us. It drives our data. But there is an alternative strategy which we see uh, in New Zealand and more prevalent in the UK, and that is to take a best-in-class or best-of-breed approach to um, acquiring new technology. And our customers will say, well, I want to buy the best nursing information system and I want to buy the best uh, laboratory pathology results in information system and they buy those and then they use potentially a platform like ours to actually integrate that data into a single data source. Uh, okay, so when you say acquisitions, um, you would uh, acquire uh, some of these other players or or it's more a case of uh, allowing them onto your platform in effect? We, yes, we allow them onto our platform. So we have our own patient track solution, which is considered a best in class um, or best of breed for nursing and, and vitals. But uh, we also have created a relationship with a, um, a medications management, some a solution out of Europe who has a best in class um, solution for prescribing and dispensing drugs in hospital. And so we integrate that into our platform and allow our customers to, to buy that solution from us locally. Yeah, okay, okay. Now, now you're obviously keen uh, about the uh, opportunities in the UK, which are uh, bigger even just because of the, the, uh, the bigger population. Um, you don't seem to be so keen on the US, despite it being the biggest health market. Uh, is, that, uh, is that fair to say? The US market should be difficult. Oh, I mean, ultimately, I'm very keen on the US because mm. obviously it is the biggest market. 
but it is it is important when you're a company that is growing and looking to 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 tackle growth that you look to enter the US market with your eyes wide open in terms of the size of the opportunity, but also just the investment that can be required in order to um, reap the return uh, in that market, just just a very large market with um, lots of different disparate systems. And they also obviously operate their healthcare system a little differently to us. Um, so I am very interested in it, and we are we we are likely to look to enter that part that um, market through partners. Okay. So a very good model is to look at someone who already has market share, who has synergistic products or capabilities, but who would find value in being able to use their our platform as a way of further increasing their own business model. So I'm actually off to the US next next week to a um, a big conference called Health H L T H. Uh, where a lot of the new entrants and uh, new innovative players are coming together. And, you know, there'll be opportunities there, I think, to to start to investigate how we might partner in the US market. Yeah, okay. And, and, and what do you see as coming up next uh, in this uh, digital health uh, frontier? I mean, I mean for, for example, will we uh, see patients sort of tracked around the clock and possibly remotely yes, uh, via yes. wearables? Yes, I mean, I think that's definitely where we're heading. Um, and one of our strategic pillars that we are focused on beyond the hospital is how we support out-of-hospital care. Um, and our platform is an ideal aggregator of all of this remote monitoring data that we're seeing. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot of focus on medical devices that could be just stuck on an individual and they will constantly monitor your blood pressure and your temperature and where there are um, ultra, you know, um, errors to the norm or where you are going outside of expected values, we can trigger that within our platform to alert um, caregivers that might be uh, situated remote to the patient. Now, that could be in the home, it could be in aged care or it could be in some other uh, yet to be created um, environment for looking after patients. And I can envisage a world where hospitals actually become great big operating theatres and where that is for highly specialised surgical um, activity and uh, the more medical activity is monitored out of the hospital walls. So most of the patients uh, stay at home? Uh... Uh, Which would be a great thing for patients in the sense that you're in, you know, if you're sick and you're in a familiar environment and you can sleep better, and let's face it, the food will certainly be better. <laughs> yeah, yes, that's right, exactly. <laughs> um, okay. Um, and so could, could you uh, just uh, perhaps uh, give a bit of a feel for what uh, investors can expect uh, from now on in, you made a, uh, a maiden profit, uh, a small maiden profit in the uh, September quarter. Um, is that uh, is that likely to be sustained? Your uh... yeah. So um, where we're at is, um, you know, we got to the end of the um, uh, first year together post the acquisitions, and we um, sort of headed close to break even. We had a thirty three percent increase in revenue over the pro forma. Um, and so we expect, um, and it is hard to look at what we do quarter on quarter because we do, you know, the business is still uh, somewhat seasonal and lumpy. And so um, 
I, I like to look at it as, as kind of comparative quarters and so forth. But we expect uh, to still be looking towards organic revenue growth, uh, similar to what we achieved last year. Uh, but we are very focused on the opportunity ahead of us and it is a significant opportunity in terms of the growth potential. So we're going to, uh, uh, whilst we're happy to remain cash flow positive, we are going to reinvest profits into the business to ensure that we realise this uh, very significant opportunity that is ahead of us. Yeah, okay, great, all right. Well, you must be doing something right because your shares have uh gone up from about $0.04 cents a year ago to uh, $0.23. Cents. So uh, who, who's been buying? <laughs> uh, well, first of all, it's good. To, uh, one thing to note is that around 55% of our register is actually owned by directors and management and staff that work in the business. Um, so we're all very you know, keenly invested in the success of the business. Um, the I think the the movement in the share price, and I, I sometimes try not to comment too much about share price, really, because I'm not a I'm not a, um, a financial markets expert. I'm a healthcare IT expert. But we when we bought the the acquisition, when we acquired MKM Health and Patient Track, we were very clear about what the strategy was for the first year, and that was around um, looking at integrating the businesses, uh, getting our first contracts for my precision in each of our our key markets and then moving to cash flow positive. And you can kind of track the increase in the share price against delivery against those strategic pillars. So, you know, I think we said what we were going to do, we did what we we're going to do. Um, we, we have a mixture of retail shareholding and some investor, uh, some institutional investors on the, on the register. Um, and I think it's just been a response to us delivering on um, our strategy. Okay, terrific. Well, look, it sounds like the uh, days of the doctors and nurses with the pens and clipboards uh, are uh, rapidly uh, uh, behind us and you're obviously at the, uh, the forefront of the brave new digital era. So um, uh, best of luck and uh, thanks, uh, thanks for the chat. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate the opportunity. Enjoy the rest of your day. No problems. Thanks. Thanks.